Welcome to this episode of the Growth Strategist Chat Series. I'm delighted to be joined today by Dr. Diane Hamilton. Hi, how are you? I'm great, Simon. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to see you. So um, just to go through your background, you know, you're the founder and the CEO of Tenera, business behavioral expert. You're a Thinkers 50, on the Thinkers 50 radar. You've come up with what are called, and I'm really fascinating, the Curiosity Code and the Perception Power Index. Your author, including Cracking the Curiosity Code, you're a keynote speaker, you're a nationally syndicated radio host, so a lot of things there, and it's great, great to chat with you. So maybe let's start with a little bit about, about you, your background, and, and how you got to what you're doing today. Well, I appreciate this you know, opportunity to be on your show because I think it's really fun to share the value of curiosity with everybody. And yeah, yeah. Uh, my background, I was one of those curious kids, I guess, the YYY kids that drove everybody crazy. And uh, when you get older, you start realizing that you want to learn about everything. I was kind of a sponge kind of a person. I really yeah. wasn't into formal education when I was a kid as much as learning in general. So it's kind of funny I ended up with a PhD because... I really hated going to school. I just liked learning. Yeah, and sure. um, I, I, after um, mostly being in sales for a lot of my early career, sold everything from computers with uh, the IBM days, you know, and then I went into pharmaceutical sales for a long time. And, and eventually, uh, after being in lending and real estate and a lot of different types of that type of sales, I got into online education after I uh, had my PhD. I was very interested in asynchronous learning and not having to go to school, but still learning. And yeah. uh, I mean, you're going to school, but it doesn't feel like it. You're not sitting, listening through these lectures. And, yeah. and I got very interested in just what makes people successful. I wrote my doctoral dissertation on emotional intelligence and its impact yeah. on performance. And that got me interested in behaviors and assessments. And, and uh, after I, um, was teaching for a long time. I taught more than a thousand business courses and I ran the MBA, uh, MBA program at Forbes School of Business as a program chair. Yeah, I, I yeah. left doing that and I thought I really wanted to see what it would be like to have a radio show. It'd be kind of fun to do that. And now I've interviewed more than a thousand people there. Wow. And as I interviewed some of those people, I started to think, well, wow, this person's super curious and interesting and they really get involved in researching all this stuff and learning all these things. And and you know you hear about the Bill Gateses and the Warren Buffetts of the world and how they value curiosity and everybody was like that that was really successful. And so I started to look at my students because I still teach for a lot of different universities. I still have uh, that education field going on. And I thought, well, you know, I see a lot of students who want me to give them the fish instead of teach them to fish. And I thought, well, I want to have them want to learn how to fish. Yeah, so I yeah. thought I'm going to write a book about curiosity and as I started to write about curiosity I started to look for the assessments to figure out you know how to fix it if there's a problem but all the assessments told you was if you're curious or not and I'm thinking okay well what if I'm not and then what do you do <laughs> and I thought well that's a problem so I started to uh, research how to create an assessment to determine what holds you back from being curious and that led to me creating the curiosity code index so yeah. That's kind of my story. Wow. And that, 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 that completely resonates with me because, I mean, I, I, I got a good, decent education. I became a lawyer and all of that stuff. But, but I always felt 
that there was more. Okay, so you know, I've I've moved from that, and I'm now I'm now a coach, consultant, entrepreneur. I'm basically unemployable because I do lots of different things. You know, I write, I lecture, uh -huh. I, I'm now doing podcasts and radio. And but the thing that's always gone through my life is I've always wanted to learn. I've always wanted to explore more. And and you know, if somebody says to somebody said to me, write a book on this. I would go and research and write it, you know, and I, I don't feel limited in that way. And is that, is that a common trait, do you think, of, of, of good leaders or, or, of, or, or of, you know, of thought leaders is that they have no fear of constantly pushing and learning themselves? I think it's a really important trait. And it's funny, I, I interviewed Dr. John Martini yesterday and we talked yeah. about a lot of stuff and he's like absorbs so much knowledge he just decided to study all the ologies and you know and just learn 100 hours of this one 100 hours of that one you know he just kept telling me all the stuff he was learning was just amazing yeah. but it is you look at leaders yes it's it's a pretty strong quality they everybody has fears though you know and I, when we talk about the curiosity code index that i created that's told me the four things that hold people back from being curious and right. so one of those four things the very first thing is f uh, fear. So the acronym for what holds you back is FATE, F-A-T-E. So yeah, it's fear, yeah. assumptions, really what you tell yourself, technology, yeah. over and under utilization of it, and uh, environment, everybody and anything you've ever been around, basically, right? So when you talk about fear, that was what I expected more than anything of what would hold people back. I mean, even leaders don't want to look dumb. I mean, who wants to feel like they look unprepared? Uh, and when I put a thread out in LinkedIn originally before I did my research of hundreds, I mean, of thousands of people over all these years, yeah. I started first at LinkedIn with a thread saying, what holds you back from being curious? Yeah. And overwhelmingly, it was fear-based issues. I mean, and but what, what was interesting in my research, it came back that it was kind of evenly distributed, though, among yeah. fear, assumptions, technology, and environment. It wasn't just almost all fear. Okay. There's a lot of these factors. And so the assessment, when I gave it, I, it, you know, it's, it's like taking a disc or something like that. Yeah. It's you know, 46 questions, takes you 10 minutes kind of thing. But what it does is it tells you all these different areas within fear, or these different areas within assumptions and technology. Yeah. And, and that was really interesting to me because I, I assumed you'd have a lot of fear-based things, and you do. Yeah. But yeah. it's much more than just fear. Okay. That's really interesting because, you know, I've, I've, I've mentioned before, I've interviewed now about 38 thought, thought leaders and um, this, this subject has kind of come up a few times and, and, and it seems to be that, you know, that thought leaders sort of recognize they have fear and, and, but they break through that and, and assumptions, you know, they sort of work around that Techno technology we didn't really talk too much about, but you know, and I talk to a lot of people over here in Ireland in the work that I do, and you know, people have said, Simon, how are you? I've actually had some thought leaders come to me and say, How are you connecting with these thought leaders? How are you talking to people like you and Marshall Goldsmith and John Matone and Sally Helgerson? The list is actually going on and on. And I said, All I did was I pressed a message on LinkedIn, and they said yes. Yeah. And, and, but I think that takes a lot of. I think people are just so fearful of even doing that. What is right. it about a simple act like that that stops people doing that? What is it? Well, I, it's funny because every name you just mentioned has been on my show. <laughs> <laughs> They're all very interesting people, but you're naming some very nice people who yes. also uh, are giving people, you know, and they give back. And I think a lot of people are afraid of um, the people who don't give back so yes. much. 
know what I mean? And not everybody's wonderful to do things like that. And you're going to get rejected. I mean, my decades of sales experience taught me how to deal with rejection, obviously. Not everybody's got that background and not everybody feels that sense of like, well, what's the worst that could happen? A lot of people yeah. just might not respond. I, I, you know, some people turn you down. I had um, yeah. Marlo Thomas and Phil Donahue contacted me this week to be on my show and then later canceled because they thought, well, they wanted more celebrity show or whatever it was. It was my show was more business focused. Yeah. People yeah. cancel, people say no, people do. You know what I mean? I would have liked to, would I have liked to talk to Marlo Thomas? Yeah. Would I like to talk to Donahue? Yeah. But the people are going to have their, maybe it's just not a good fit for them. Not yeah. for, not that they're turning you down. They're yes. not rejecting yeah. you, but people, that's we thing. internalize things and that's our assumptions, what we tell that's ourselves. That's a great point because I think I reached out to 44 and 38 unequivocally said yes. I think one said no, a couple said no. One said I was too busy. Only one person didn't respond. And it was a real lesson to me that, and I, and I, you know, I lecture and train in, in deal making and sales and negotiation over here. And I say to people, and I never really fully appreciate this myself, but if you don't, if you don't ask, it's a guaranteed no, right? It's right. a guaranteed. So, yeah. so anything can be better than that. And, and I don't think people think in those terms, anything can be better than a no. And if you don't ask, it's a guaranteed no. So ask, because it can't get worse than not asking. I, I don't, you know, I'm not at the point where I'm getting a lot of people where I'm asking, they're more asking to get on my show, but I asked the Dalai Lama, he said, no, he's busy. I mean, people are busy, you know what I mean? Exactly. I, and they, it's not their thing maybe, yeah. or it's not a good fit. You can't say yes to everybody. And the people who don't respond, I'm sure I probably haven't responded to somebody because yeah. I get so many people who want to be on my show yeah. that they, yeah. they contact me through my website. So I, I had my outgoing message saying, I'm sorry if I can't respond, if you don't meet this criteria, yeah. this is probably not a good show fit for you kind of thing. You know what yeah. I mean? And I may not be able to get back to you. There's, you can only respond to so much. And sometimes people just can't. It's not you, you know, yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. What about, I'm going to pivot it slightly because I'm, I'm going to be running, co-running with a, a female entrepreneur from the States in September, uh, uh, an online summit on global, on equality in leadership, equality and equity in leadership. And what about genders, right? So part of that discussion is about, I've written an article called Gender Balance for Better Business. Is there a... <laughs> Is there a big difference or any difference between masculine, I won't talk about men and women, but masculine and feminine around curiosity? Is there, I mean, what can you it talk about that? It wasn't that different. It really wasn't. I mean, there were slight differences, you know, of what men tell themselves. I mean, men, we all know that men are going to just apply for the job, whether they think they're 100% capable or not. Women will yeah. wait till they know they hit every single thing on the list. Yeah. I mean, there's some of that. Um, it's, it's not, I was kind of surprised that there weren't bigger differences. I yep. think we all have fear. We all have assumptions. Technology was kind of even. Some of them were more even than others. But yep. um, I, I think that it's really kind of hard to generalize of women, you know, I went Ireland versus United yep. States, or, you know, this kind of thing, because we don't really have the data to really give that kind of a thing. You yeah. know, we've seen that in Germany, they might have been more curious than in the U.S. And then compared to China, you have these different millennials versus boomers. There's a lot of data, but I don't like to so much lump people in sometimes. You know, it's hard. Everybody, I guess, is my training on emotional intelligence. you got to have this empathy when you're talking to people and, and put yourself in their shoes. And that's why I guess I was interested in perception for my next 
uh, book that's coming out. I was going to come straight onto that. So, and it's an inter it's interesting because uh, you know I I do a lot of training around cultural awareness and and cultural um, you know cohesion. And I say you know yes there are and I have this nice little graph that shows it on an x and y axis 150 countries and how different uh, nationalities are in terms of you know, being passionate and about being courageous, et cetera, et cetera. And all, and so yes, you, there are stereotypes, but then I, then I have a big rider, but, but bear in mind that every human being is different, right? So, so you're right. So in terms of the perception, so maybe let's get onto perception power index. What's all that about? And, and, and what, what's the purpose of that and, and the outcomes of the perception power index? Well, you know, I, I was really um, having fun promoting curiosity and all the factors that deal with that. And, and, and that's my focus in, in my life is to help people become more curious. Yeah. I started to realize that curiosity also ties into some other things. And if you talk about perception, I had been discussing this with my co-author, Maya Zelahich. Dr. Maya Zelahich and I worked together at, at, well, I was the MBA program chair at Forbes. And when I left, she became the MBA program chair eventually there. And uh, so we, we're, we're colleagues and we, we were passionate about behaviors. And I thought, well, well, we'll write about this because I think it's really fascinating. We thought we could create an assessment that talks about kind of the process of all you go through in the, uh, examining different information and correlating information. Yeah. And, you know, and I start, started to look at, well, this is interesting because it's kind of a combination of IQ, the critical thinking components and things like that. EQ, especially empathy and understanding things from not within yourself, from their viewpoint, their other vantage points, and yeah. curiosity quotient, enough to ask and be interested, right? Yeah. And cultural quotient, really, because you're looking at the impact of everything that's ever impacted them based on how yeah. they were raised and what they've lived in. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. you, talk, you hear, you know, that uh, perception is reality and everybody's got this different reality. So if you're going to work with other people in a really, you know, way that works for everybody else, you have to get out of your own head and realize what everybody else is doing in this. If everybody's in their own head, nobody's actually doing anything. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, I mean, I, 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 not to your level, but I train around this area and it, it is so fascinating. And, you know, somebody, uh, I can't remember who wrote about it, but, you know, there's a street in the center of Dublin called Grafton Street. And, and, and imagine like ev everybody walking down Grafton Street, the main thoroughfare, um, that we're all looking at the same things, but we're all, we all have a different perception of what we're looking at. And it just blows your mind. And it, it, it really demonstrates that, you know, we talk about authenticity and we talk about emotional intelligence, but it's critically, critically important because you're right. We're not all living in a vacuum. We're all, we're all living together. And, you know, and, and I think I, I, so I think, you know, that is a key attribute of good leadership. Would you agree? It really is. It really is, is absolutely. And it's about well, say that walking down the street. I, I, it brought to mind what I was talking about doctor with uh, Dr. Demartini yesterday, you and I might be walking down the street and my focus might be on, you know, this shoe store, but your focus might be on this sports store or yeah. vice versa. You know what I mean? And you, you know, you could be all looking at the same picture. You bought a blue car. Now everything's a blue car kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's really fascinating to, to yeah. take a look at how much that influences. You're just assuming that they're 
thinking the same things that you're thinking in some respects. And if you do that, the assumptions is coming back to the curiosity problem again. Yeah. It's limiting you. All these things you're telling yourself of yeah. the reality, that's your reality right then that could be different. And it gets even more, it gets even more profound because, you know, you know, we're moving in, we'll, I'll pivot on to the next question. You know, we're, we're moving into a different world order. This was forced upon us, you know, the current pandemic. And so we're spending so much time online and looking at each other online. And, you know, I, I interviewed uh, Ted Rubin, the CMO of Photify, and he said that for the younger generations, they actually find, and I don't know whether this is right or wrong, but they find it easier to trust online than they than face to face because they're used to looking at each other one-on-one. -on -one. They've done a bit of research. And so what do you think of that? I mean, to what extent is this, this change in the way we're going to, we are communicating and it's probably going to stick to, an, to a great extent. How is that going to impact curiosity and perception and the way we interact? Well, you know, it, it does add a new component. I've taught all, a lot of courses virtually and I've had to talk to my students about how to work virtually and how to have netiquette as we call it, which is yeah. <laughs> internet etiquette, right? Yeah. And um, you, you have to deal with people in a different way when you're doing texting, for example, than mm -hmm. when you're, but see, this is good because we have one-to-one uh, -one, face to face yeah. contact. If the yeah. people are watching this, of course, the audio version that they don't know we're watching each other, but we are. Yeah. But, you know, I think a lot of people are doing everything through Zoom right now because of the COVID lockdown and different things. And people are learning to communicate and do things in a completely different way. Yeah. So maybe yeah. as the younger generation was used to doing this more, older generations, I, I mean, I'm doing this with my mom now, who's in her late 80s, right? Yeah. And so she's learning this. I mean, every generation is having to get a little bit out of their comfort zone in some ways right now. And I think it is making us explore, well, this is kind of cool. How, what, how does this work? And how do I, you know, so it does impact our curiosity. Uh, absolutely. And I guess another part of that is that I was just talking to a good friend of mine, Henry Wang, who's a very, you know, very successful business guy from Hong Kong and climate change, you know, guru. And, uh, and we were talking about the fact that, um, you know, the younger generation, Right. So the younger generation probably would never have gone to some stuffy corporate summit, right? Listening to right. <laughs> leaders and thought leaders. But now uh -huh. they have access immediately to listen to stuff like this. So in mm -hmm. some respects, I think this I think there's a whole new mix that's going to come out of this stuff. And and it'd be interesting in 20 years time to see whether this is going to change people's perceptions, you know, and wh whether it's going to change their ability to be curious, whether they're going to be curious about different things. It's just, it's a whole minefield of just new stuff that's coming out of this, isn't it? Well, it's kind of an alternate reality. It's kind of the Star Trek thing where <laughs> they went back in time and made a change and now Spock's with somebody else. You know, I mean, it's, it's a different thing uh, that you got to look at. And I think that you'll never know what we would have gone had this not happened. And you don't know what opportunities will uh, present itself to make changes for the better as well. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's, you have to just adjust. I have a lot of crisis readiness experts on my show. I have a lot of foresight thinkers. I've taught foresight for years yeah. where I would start with the end of the world and work backward, you know, with people in class, which was yeah. kind of fun to kind of, have them see how this impacts that. It's almost like watching Memento, the movie, where it was all backwards, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think that it's something, you know, you, you have to deal with the every day, day to day, what, what's coming next, and uh, 
realize that your curiosity is tied into um, and perception, all this kinds of things are tied into, you know, innovation, engagement, creativity, yep, yep. all the things that we're trying to fix in the workplace, all the soft skills, emotional intelligence, all the things they hired me to speak, all that stuff. It all comes back to asking questions, learning more about each other, recognizing how our perceptions impact all these things and, and making the, our companies go to the next level of what yep. they couldn't because we were stuck in status quo. That's my whole hope really is that we get out of that status quo we do things because it was always done that way for no reason i i agree and just to, as we wrap up here you know you mentioned the word impact and the conversation i just had with henry, henry was profound and he mentioned some some study i think it was stanford university recently and they'd done some study and they traditionally we've been we valued ourselves from a monetary perspective so we talk about monetary value how much we earn and how much we have in our bank and what what we own but now they're starting to talk about impact value is some, you know, monetary value sits within that. So, you know, you, you and I currently are not earning money by talking to each other, but, but we are creating some impact that maybe we don't even know about at this point and right. on ourselves and others. So I, I, my hope is that coming out of this, that, that all that new reality of looking at impact value, I think there's something really powerful in that. So it was oh, definitely. It's, it's your legacy. It's it goes beyond you. It goes beyond what you Absolutely. leave behind for just your kids or whatever. If you explore and you do more, you're you're giving things to the world by asking questions and opening up opportunities. And you know whether you do it in this kind of format as a loss leader, you know if you're doing this for yourself. Right. Uh, when I had my show, I, I've never done it monetized it and done the things you know i i always wanted it to be about just learning and sharing information i'm the same so on yes. that just to, just to wrap up so if you were going to go back and talk to a say a 20 year old version of, of of diane what and you were you, you had the luxury of giving yourself two or three words of wisdom to to allow yourself to flourish and succeed in life what two or three things would you whisper to yourself <laughs> You know, I, I often ask people that when I, you know, talk to people and most people say I wouldn't change anything because I'm really happy with how things turn out. And I am too, you know what I mean? But I, if I had to really change something, I guess I would try to get me over the fear of what would happen if I, I tried to do something that was just a little bit out of my comfort zone. I think a lot of us are at that point. I think just that fear of discovering things you have this thought in your head, you're only supposed to study this, or you're only supposed to know about that. And if I learn about this, I'm not going to like it or whatever. I think I would have pushed myself a little bit more to uh, just, just be open to ideas that I really thought were too scary, probably yeah, to get yeah. over the fear and the assumptions uh, in my head based on my environment. I mean, it's all ties back to my research. And I, I think I would just uh, say, say to people, uh, or myself, write down your fears, your assumptions, your, your over and under utilization of technology, your environment, who said that you wouldn't, you should go into the family business or what teacher didn't answer your question and all those kinds of things. And, and think about how can you create like kind of a personal SWOT analysis of your strengths and weaknesses and, and think about how can you create a measurable goal of overcoming these things, a smart goal that you can really just up every little thing that's held you back, just work on those things. Yeah, that's really 
profound because I think that's been a common theme coming out of these conversations and, I, and I've looked at it more and it's, it applies to me and I, I kind of talk about you know attaching your confidence to your capabilities I, I've always had capabilities I was always mm -hmm. I got the best marks of school I got a good you know mm -hmm. career and etc but my confidence has never quite been there and for me now it's about attaching confidence to capability so I think right. that's exactly what you're talking about so it's been a really fascinating conversation and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask gonna read more about the perception power index uh, and the curiosity code because it applies to the work I do so how do people find out more about you and learn more about your work well, you know, everything's at drdianehamilton.com. So you can drop down the menu at the top for the curiosity code. You can drop down the menu for the perception and all, all that stuff. Uh, if you go down to the bottom of the, the screen and it'll offer a free uh, course in curiosity that yeah. it's, it's a really intense course of uh, all the information that you need to do. It's free. You just, you know, do it yeah. right then. You can do it asynchronous, asynchronously at, at your own uh, time and i think you get a lot of great information there perfect well it's been great talking to you and thanks so much and uh and uh, i hope a lot of people get a, a lot of good stuff out of this so thanks very much thank you i really appreciate the opportunity thank you bye bye, bye.